Hi, this is John and Valerie Domingo, and, and you're, you're listening, listening to Word of Hope, Hope Christian, Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and this is your Sunday sermon. Today is Sunday, January 29th. This is the last sermon in our series called Rooted, Grow Deep and Live Strong. What a journey it has been for sure. Today we're going to talk about the last aspect of being rooted, and that is harvest or harvesting. But before we do, let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, thank you for this amazing time we get to finish strong in this series called Rooted. Lord, teach us what the harvest is all about. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I once read of a little boy who used to escape his bedroom after being punished. He would crawl out of his bedroom window down an old fruit tree to the ground. One day his father told him that he was going to chop down the fruit tree because it hadn't borne any fruit in a lot of years. That evening, the boy and his friend bought a bushel of apples during the night and tied the apples on the barren tree branches. The next morning, the man couldn't believe his eyes. He said to his wife, Honey, I can't believe it. That old tree hasn't yielded any fruit for years, and now it's covered with apples. And the most amazing thing is, it's a pear tree. Now the harvest is what comes after the planting, the growing, the pruning, and everything else that's necessary to see the literal fruits of your labor. Everyone wants the delicious fruit at the time of the harvest, but few are willing to do all that's necessary along the way. So let's take a look at the reality of the harvest fruit. The first point I want to talk about today is the fruit is inside you. If you have your Bibles, open them to Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 to 23. That's Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23. Probably a very familiar scripture for many of you. Follow along as I read. It says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. The Apostle Paul introduces the word fruit here, and it's filled with meaning. By it, Paul conveyed the meaning of a full harvest of virtues. As we've talked about, fruit is a byproduct. It takes time to grow, and it requires care and cultivation. The Spirit produces the fruit. Our job is to get in tune with the Spirit. Believers exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, not because they work at it, but simply because the Holy Spirit controls their lives. The fruit of the Spirit separates Christians from a godless, evil world and reveals a power within them and helps them become more Christ-like in their daily lives. So let's look more closely at the harvest fruit. Now there's three categories of fruit here within these nine verses. The first three fruits are inward and come from God alone. They are love, joy, and peace. Now, love, this is the love that's shown by Jesus, whose love is self-sacrificing and unchanging. And as demonstrated by God who sent his son for sinners, love forms the foundation for all the other fruit that's listed. Then there's joy. It's that inner rejoicing that abides despite outer circumstances. This characteristic has little to do with happiness and can exist in times of unhappiness. It's a deep and nourishing satisfaction that continues even when a life situation seems empty and unsatisfying. 
the relationship with God through Christ remains even in the deserts and valleys of living. And then there's peace. It is this inner quietness and trust in God's sovereignty and justice, even in the face of adverse circumstances. This is a profound agreement with the truth that God, not we, remains in charge of the universe. The next three fruits concern each believer's relationships with each other. They are patience, kindness, and goodness. Patience is putting up with people who continually irritate us, and it can also be a time of waiting and or anticipating. The Holy Spirit's work in us increases our endurance, as we spoke of last week. Next is kindness. That's acting charitably or benevolently toward others, as God did toward us. Kindness takes the initiative in responding to other people's needs. And then there's goodness. It's reaching out to do good to others, even if they don't deserve it. Goodness does not react to evil, but absorbs the offense and responds with positive action. And the last three fruits present more general character traits that ought to be in every believer's life. They are faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Faithfulness is being reliable and trustworthy. It's being committed to honor the Lord in any and all situations. Gentleness is humble, being considerate of others and being submissive to God and his word. Even when anger is the appropriate response, as when Jesus cleared the temple, gentleness keeps the expression of anger headed in the right direction. And lastly, self-control. This is the mastery over sinful human desires and their lack of restraint. Ironically, our sinful desires, which promote self-fulfillment and power, inevitably lead us into slavery. When we surrender to the Holy Spirit, initially we feel as though we've lost control, but he leads us to the exercise of self-control that would be impossible in our own strength. When we walk in the power of the Spirit, our lives produce these nine fruits, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These qualities will be evident to those around us and may even move someone to ask, Hey, what's different about you? The key here is to be walking with and in the Spirit, because in this world, we're going to face constant tension between our old sinful nature and what the Holy Spirit wants. And we often experience resistance when we follow the Spirit's leading. In Galatians 5.17, Paul says, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So as you can see, human nature and the spirit are in conflict. These two forces, as it says, are constantly fighting each other. Sinful desires are still going to pop up, just like guerrilla forces attacking us when we least expect it. And so what does the sinful nature look like? Take a look at verses 19 through 21 because they tell us the fruits of human nature are sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now, if you continue on in verse 21, you'll find it says, if you're not walking with or in the spirit, then you're not living as a child of God, and as such, you can't have any part in the inheritance 
of the kingdom of God. The opposite of that are the fruits of a life in the spirit, which once again are those nine characteristics, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To live in the spirit, it takes courage, folks. It takes wisdom, discernment, and intentionality. It takes energy and pruning to ensure that healthy growth happens in the spirit. Now, as I shared about the fruits of human nature and fruits of the spirit, I imagine several specific characteristics have stuck out to you. Whether positive or negative, I encourage you to make a note of those characteristics that caught your attention and ask God to prune and or grow the fruit that he wants in your life regarding those specific things. Next up, have you ever heard the term, you reap what you sow? Well, let's talk about it because it's true. Late one summer evening in Broken Bow, Nebraska, a weary truck driver pulled his rig into an all-night truck stop. The waitress had just served him when three tough-looking, leather-jacketed motorcyclists decided to give him a hard time. Not only did they verbally abuse him, one grabbed the hamburger off his plate, another took a handful of his french fries, and the third picked up his coffee and began to drink it. How would you respond? Well, this trucker did not respond as one might expect. Instead, he calmly rose, picked up his check, walked to the front of the room, put the check and his money on the cash register, and went out the door. The waitress followed him to put the money in the till, and she stood watching out the door as the big truck drove away into the night. When she returned, one of the bikers said to her, Well, he's not much of a man, is he? She replied, I don't know about that, but he sure ain't much of a truck driver. He just ran over three motorcycles on his way out of the parking lot. Indeed, he did. Even the secular world recognizes the truth of reaping and sowing, but since they don't want to give glory to God, they call it karma. But the biblical doctrine of reaping and sowing isn't just a law of the Bible, it's a law of nature. You put a seed in the ground and over time it grows. What makes the Hindu belief of karma different from the truthful doctrine of reaping and sowing is that we may not see our harvest until we leave this world. Further on in Galatians, we hit another key passage pertaining to the harvest. Galatians 6 verses 8 through 10 says, Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. To say it plainly, if a farmer or gardener plants apple trees, they're going to produce apples. If they plant a strawberry plant, they're going to receive strawberries. If we sow evil and sin into our lives and the lives around us, we will reap the same in return. If we want to receive the things of God in our lives, we've got to sow to please the Spirit. We should willingly and readily sow love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control into all aspects of our lives. When Paul told the Galatian believers to do good, he was speaking to their responsibility in the community as well as in the church. The church isn't meant to be merely a social agency, but individual believers can work together in meeting social needs, giving time and resources as God calls and enables them. Sowing seeds of kindness to those in need expresses Christ's love and prepares others to receive the gospel. Think back for a moment to last week when we talked about remaining attached to the vine. Jesus said in John 15, 5, 
Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So if you want to reap healthy fruit, you need to sow healthy fruit. And the best way to do that is staying connected to Christ and walking in the power of the Spirit. The next point I want to share with you about is fresh fruit. Now, it's not hard to distinguish between fresh fruit and rotten fruit. should be pretty obvious. In Matthew 7, verses 16 through 18, Jesus says, You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. In these verses, fruit is a metaphor for both character and conduct. Fruit is good or bad depending on the health of the tree. Healthy trees bear good fruit, and unhealthy trees bear bad fruit. Jesus warned that the prophets and teachers are like trees. Examine them and their fruit closely, he says. The point here is that people around you will recognize and respond to the fruit of your life. Fresh fruit is delicious and inviting while rotten fruit stinks and no one wants to have it. Rotten fruit isn't hard to recognize. The same is true about the fruit in the life of a believer. This point only emphasizes the last in that it's imperative that a believer remains connected to the vine and exerts the necessary effort to remain healthy. The next point is work in God's power. Salvation is a process that begins with a profession of faith, but doesn't end until we expire. The good news is that the work that is to be done in us is not accomplished in our own power. The power we're given by God is the fuel we need to act and live out the good purposes of God. God plants the seed by his power and our acceptance. He grows it by his power and our cooperation in time. He harvests by his power and our partnership. Philippians 2.12 says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Here, Paul wanted the Philippians to put their salvation into practice for the health of the church. As they did so, they would not do it on their own. Through his Holy Spirit, God would be working in them for the tasks he wanted them to do. God works in believers, and believers do God's work. And lastly, I want to say that the opportunities for good and evil are all around us. The Gospel of Matthew describes it this way in Matthew 9, 35-38. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. As Jesus looked at the crowds that were following him, he referred to them as a field that was ripe for harvest but the workers to bring in the harvest were so few. These workers were the disciples, who were then few in number. Jesus commanded his disciples, as you just heard, to pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and to ask him to send more workers into the field. Many people are ready to give their lives to Christ if someone would show them how. 
We are to pray that people would respond to this need for workers. Often when we pray for something, God answers our prayers and he uses us. I'll say it again. Everyone wants the delicious fruit at the time of harvest, but few are willing to do all that's necessary along the way to get it. The real fruit here is salvation in Jesus Christ. We do our part as the workers and God will do his to bring about a harvest of souls. We have a role to play in all of this, and along the way, we have unwavering trust that it's all possible through Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Throughout this series, we've talked about some weighty realities of following Christ. Where have you seen yourself described? Have you just recently been planted? Are you currently in a season of growth or health? Are you in a season of pruning? Are you experiencing the richness of the harvest? All of these seasons have their place in the life of a believer. This is a process with a very real eternal destination. So as we wrap up our time, I want to invite you into a time of reflection and response. Are there areas of your life that you need to seek forgiveness and help over? Are you ready to profess your faith and make a lifelong commitment to Christ? Are you ready to step into the fields of harvest and commit to a deeper level of training and discipleship? Wherever you find yourself today, please know that God sees you. He knows the journey that you've taken and the trials that you've had to endure along the way. God wants to develop spiritual gifts inside of you that will cause you to look more and more like Jesus Christ. And if you allow God to work in your life, you can be part of a spiritual harvest in the world that will have an eternal impact. So as we close today, I'd like to pray, and this is for all of us, and I hope it will find you in a place where you're ready to respond. Dear God, please work in and through us to make a difference in this world. We believe that you've placed seeds inside of us to grow into a beautiful harvest in our lives. Enable us to submit to your work in our lives. May you use us to further your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church, real people, a real God, real hope.